0: Sermon number 622, Protestantism, Chance, Convenience, or Conviction. Preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, October 29, 1972. The text 1 Corinthians 3, 10-17. <laughs> this morning, as it's found in Paul's first letter to the Christians at Corinth. We read at the third chapter, beginning at the tenth verse. According to the commission of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay the foundation, and another man is building upon it. Let Each man take care how he builds upon it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on, the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Today is Reformation Sunday. The day that we commemorate the beginning of one of the greatest movements in the history of all mankind, the Protestant Reformation. And it on this Reformation Sunday, someone asked you why you are a member of the Protestant Christian Church. I wonder how you would respond. I find that many people belong to the Protestant Church for different reasons. There are some people who come into our fellowship through what I call chance or coincidence. I had a young man in our senior high group a few years back tell me very candidly, Do you know, Mr. Morledge, why I am a member of this particular Protestant Presbyterian Church? And I said, No, why? He said, I am a member of this particular Protestant Presbyterian Church because my my parents are members of this particular Protestant Presbyterian Church. And then he went on to indicate his personal belief that if his parents had been Roman Catholic or adherents to the Eastern Orthodox faith, or as a matter of fact, if they had been Buddhist or Muslims, the chances would be that he would not be a member of this particular Protestant Church, but a member of whatever church or temple or mosque they were a part. I'm sure many people feel that their membership in this Church has been by chance or by coincidence it may seem strange to you, but you know there are many people that become affiliated with Protestant churches simply because someday they leave home and they're going to decide to stop at the first church they come to, and if that is a Protestant church, they go in and if they see what they want to see and like what they hear, they today have be- are members of that particular Protestant church because of just a coincidence or we're willing to take a chance on that particular affiliation. Some people come into the Church, the Protestant Church, by chance. I find that there are other people who come into the Protestant Church because it's convenient. I had a woman in Florida tell me a few years back the reason that she joined that particular Protestant Presbyterian Church in her community was because when she died she wanted to be sure that there was a minister to conduct her funeral service. That's joining church out of a sense of convenience. There are other people who I know join churches because the church is near to their home. If that's the only reason, then you join out of convenience. If you hear of anyone who who becomes a part of a particular Protestant church because And only because the edifice is beautiful, or the sanctuary is a gorgeous place to hold the daughter's wedding, or the parking lot is ample, or there are always seats available and they're more or less comfortable if the preacher does not preach too long nor too pointedly, the fact that The pastors and the program and the finance committee do not demand too much, and that the worship service is at an agreeable hour that does not require one to arise too early. If you hear people coming to a Protestant church for any one of those reasons, you can be sure that you have met someone who has joined the Protestant church for the sake of convenience. And people, they're in every Protestant church, every Protestant church. Just as are people in every Protestant church that join by chance or coincidence, but just as there are those types of people in every Protestant church, thank God, there is in every Protestant church a group of people who are there because of conviction. People who maybe, perhaps, some of them have come through the doors of chance or coincidence or through the particular portals of convenience, but after they have been here, hearing the word of God, being involved in its educational program through the preaching of the pulpit, they have become convinced that a Protestant is not merely someone who is against the disciplines and the teachings of some other faith, but is a person who stands for some particular principles and tenets of the faith. A Protestant is not necessarily a protester. A Protestant, the word comes from the Latin protestare, which means to stand for or to witness to. And thank the good Lord, we have in this church, and the Protestant church has universally, people who are a part of her roles because they have the conviction that Protestantism is a blessing of God and that there are certain ideas or beliefs which one must hold if he, in the sight of God, is to be a part of the Protestant tradition. What are some of these principles? Well, many. Time will not permit me to hit on all of them. But I think we are on safe ground when we say that a Protestant is basically a person who has the conviction, first of all, in the necessity for a person's spiritual rebirth. We Protestants believe, as do the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox members, the other two portions of the split Christian church in the world today, that when each one of us is born by God's grace into existence, there is in each one of us something missing something that is not quite right something that is in disharmony with our God who has created us and the belief of the Protestants and the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox theology is the same that each one of us, if ever we are to find our potential in life and eventually come to the destiny for which each one of us has been created, we must become aware of this wrongness, this something that is missing, this thing that the Bible calls sin, that is, in every one of us. We must be conscious of it, repent, that is, turn away from it, and seek the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be spiritually reborn. No parent, no pastor, no particular friend can do it for anyone. It can be done only by the person himself individually. And this is necessary. If anyone is going to be a Christian, and it's absolutely necessary for anyone who is going to be a Protestant Christian. That's the first belief. And the second one is one that differs from our sister communions within Christendom. Our belief as Protestants is that this particular rebirth can take place only by the faith that we hold instead of the good works that we do. Yes. The particular belief is that men and women are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. They are justified, made a-okay with God once again by what they believe. You see, Martin Luther was trained in a church that taught and still teaches that an individual has to earn his right to be loved by God. And the way one earns God's love is by doing good works. The more good works that you do, the more God will love you. So he was an individual who tried more than the average person to become justified, made right, a okay with God by doing many good works. He did more than was expected of him. Rather than to remain a layman, he became a monk. Rather than just doing the minimal task of good work which a monk must do, he did more. But the more he did, the more he felt within his conscience that he could never, never be good enough to deserve God's love. He felt he was in a race he could not ever finish. He knew that no matter how many sins he confessed, there were always some sins that he did not confess. No matter how many good works he did, he knew there were other good works he could have done. He found himself in a tremendous box and a bind. And while studying the apostle Paul, while reading his scriptures, especially the Psalms and Paul's letter to the Galatians and to the Romans, He came to the conclusion that Paul was suffering from the same problem as that great giant of God was trying to justify himself before God and receive God's love by trying to be a keeper of the law. And then he found through the revelation of God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit that Paul had come to the conclusion that a man can never earn enough of God's love, that it is nothing that a man can do to get God to love him, but rather an individual must accept the love which God has already given to him in Jesus Christ. You don't become loving in the sight of God by doing something on your own. You become loving by accepting the love that God has already given you. This changed Martin Luther's thinking, and he became a man that became a proponent of this particular idea of thought, which is one of the basic tenets of Protestantism to this day. He was an individual who saw that good works could not make a good man. But a man who is justified in the sight of God is an individual who, out of thanksgiving, does good works. He had to realize, as Paul Tillich has said many centuries later, that he was accepted by God and he had to accept the fact that God had accepted him. That's very difficult. It requires a maturity to believe that God loves you and to live your life on the principle that you are forgiven and that you are loved, and that requires faith. One is justified not by his good works, but by his faith. We do good works not in order to earn God's love, but in response to what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. This is why we come to church. This is why we love our neighbors. This is why we forgive our enemies. This is why we give our tithe. Not to try to get God to love us, but to express to him our thanksgiving for what he has already given to us, his love, his forgiveness, his power, and his promises through Jesus Christ. Many a fine Protestant does not understand this, but this is a second tenet, conviction of Protestantism and has been for 455 years. And the third is a natural from the second. It says, because all of us can be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. All of us who do believe, then, are ministers, are ministers to every other person in the world. You see, in the Protestant tradition, the three of us are not just the ministers to you, you are ministers to us, and all of us are ministers unto everyone else. You have a pulpit, your pulpit is the vocation to which God has equipped you and called you. This is your pulpit. You are a minister, though, of Jesus Christ. It is your responsibility, as well as your pleasure pleasure and privilege, to be an individual who, in every problem he meets and in every person he faces, he must minister in the name of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility Therefore, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set those free who are oppressed, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those who are in prison, and to live in peace with all mankind. That's not just the job of the clergy. That's the job of every believing Christian in the Protestant tradition. You see, in Protestantism, there is no second-class Christianity. The clergy are not up here and the laity down here. We are together. And as Martin Luther said, the cobbler at his bench is as fully worshiping God as the priest at the altar. You are a mister. You have a responsibility unto God and to your fellow men to minister under the needs of this world. This is a conviction of Protestantism. And the fourth one is that all of us, all of us ministers, we have as the basic tool in our life the one authority the one absolute, infallible rule for faith and practice. God's holy word the Scripture. This is to be the one thing to which all of us adhere as we try to live and to love. The Bible you see to the Protestant is not a textbook for science, It's not a blueprint for the future. It is the word of God to you, to teach you how to live and how to love. That's what it is. The Bible is not some book to a Protestant that is to be put upon the shelf and revered. It's not a book that we are to study so that we can win awards or pass tests. It's to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's to be our guide throughout life. But, of course, a Protestant must know his Bible. And to know his Bible, he must read it. But what's more than that, he must live by the teachings as they are revealed unto him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That does work when you take this word of God seriously. As Protestants, we do not have the option as to whether or not we are going to become Bible students. If we are to live, we must read this, study it, and live by it. That's tough, ladies and gentlemen. What it means, what it means in our society, that if the ethics in your business The teachings in your home, the pronouncements from the Church, and yes, the laws of the land, if they are contrary to the teaching of the Word of God as fulfilled and revealed through the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, then it is under God our responsibility to channel those teachings and to refute them in the name of God. That's frightening. To take a stand like that is a very frightening, terrifying experience. And when we stand in that particular position, we share that moment with Martin Luther when in 1521 at the Diet of Worms, He was forced to stand before the Emperor, who despised him, and the Pope, who rejected him, as they tried to influence him to take a softer stand and to recant some of his beliefs and writings. And you'll remember, as history testifies, he stood before those people, looking them squarely in the eye, and said, Unless you can prove to me that the word of God is wrong, I cannot recant. For I find that it is neither right nor safe to go against the dictates of my conscience. Here I stand, so help me God. Amen. Because that man... And others who have followed in that Protestant tradition took that stand. You and I, we are here today as part of the Protestant Christian Church. The Protestant Christian Church today is having some difficulty, as is all of Christendom, Because, you see, God has us living in a day when tradition is not nearly as hallowed as it once was. Young people today do question what their parents have done. Young people today do not honor the establishments and the beliefs that many of the parents held. And consequently, the Church today does not have as many people coming into its Protestant ranks through chance. And because it is not the convenient thing today to be a part of a Protestant church that takes a stand, many people are falling from her ranks. The Christian church in its Protestant tradition today needs people of conviction who know where they stand in their beliefs and who are not afraid to stand in the world today on this Reformation Sunday if someone asked you why are you a Protestant what would you answer In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we did not choose you, but you chose us. We did not make the church, but the church which is of one foundation has been bought with your own blood in Christ. We did not ask to come into the world, but by your providence you blessed us with life. Now as a part of a great tradition, a church that is in the world, Lord, with the spirit of love, with kindness on our tongue, and with conviction in our hearts, O God, help us as we stand. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you and with his church now and forevermore. Amen.